The fascinating thing, Luke, is this guy was a Buddhist. And he had, he had no dog in the fight whatsoever with scripture. And he said, he said, uh, I have always thought that any age of the earth older than 10,000 years is bogus. internet you're listening to episode 16 of changed my mind with luke t harrington i'm luke t harrington i'm an award-winning novelist a best-selling humorist and i'm currently tearing it up on world six of ring fit adventure on nintendo switch that game rules you should check it out um this is my show where I talk to people who have changed their minds about big, important things. There's kind of a perception out there that people never change their minds, but they do. Ever since I started this show, I've had people coming to me saying, hey, you should do something about the creation evolution debate. And I'll be honest, <laughs> that debate's not all that interesting to me. Um, I've had a few people who have said, um, you know, I, I used to be a young earth creationist, but I came around to accept evolution. And I, you know, I just kept thinking that sounds like the least interesting conversation ever. <laughs> now, to be clear, and I think I've said this on the show before, like to the extent I care, I tend to sympathize with the theistic evolution set. Um, but I just thought going the other direction would make for a much more interesting conversation. Um, so on this episode, I have Dr. Christian Teves. Um, he is a former pastor of mine, um, spent decades of his life as an agnostic and a firm believer in evolutionary theory, has two uh, degrees in geology, one, one undergrad, one graduate, um, and yet... <laughs> has uh, come around to a young earth creationist point of view, which I think is really interesting. There's a popular perception out in the world that young earth creationists are all a bunch of backwoods hucksters from Tennessee who have never been in a science classroom in their life. Um, it's not true. Um, Christian is a really thoughtful guy. Um, he's much better educated on both geology and theology than I am. Um, so we had a really interesting conversation. Um, I hope even if you are not a fan of creationism, you will stick around and have a listen. I will flip you over and see you on the other side. Welcome to the 16th episode of Changed My Mind with Luke T. Harrington. I'm Luke T. Harrington, and this is my show where I talk to people who have changed their minds about big, important things. Uh, reason for that being that it is very trendy to despair over the idea that people never change their minds about anything, and well, I sympathize with that. <laughs> Um, people do change their minds and we've all seen it happen. So I want to know why. So this is my show. It's about, I don't know, 9% research project and 91% therapy for me. Um, 
I'm sitting here with an old friend of mine, Dr. Christian Teves. Hey, good to talk to you, Luke T. Harrington. Christian Teves was uh, my pastor for a while um, back when I lived in Tulsa, Oklahoma. He is still working as a Lutheran pastor in Old Mulgee, Oklahoma. He has a master's in geology, a master's in divinity, and a doctorate in Christian ministry, he said. Is that correct? Yeah, the doctor of ministry. Yeah, basically, yeah. Doctor of ministry. Yeah, yeah. right on. Um, the reason uh, I wanted I wanted to bring Chris on the show was um, I've had a lot of people <laughs> say I should do an episode on the uh, creation evolution thing, um, and I've had multiple people say, "Hey, you know, I used to be more of a young Earth creationist, but I've come around to the idea of evolution." Um, these people are, you know, still Christians, but they've moved kind of in a more theistic evolution direction. And while I personally have some sympathy for that point of view, um, I just it didn't sound like a very interesting conversation to me. <laughs> so we might come we might come back to that on some future episode. Um, but I really wanted to talk to uh, to Chris because um, you know I know he has a, a background in science and was formerly. Uh, an agnostic, right? You wouldn't say atheist. You would say agnostic. I would say right? agnostic and, and evolutionist with a capital E. <laughs> with a capital E. Yeah. But eventually uh, came came around to uh, not only Christianity, but young earth creationism. Yes. Um, so, yeah, um, I want to hear your story. I've heard it in bits and pieces before, but I really want to dive into um, the deep questions of why someone would go from evolutionism to creationism uh, or whatever. So um, why don't we start with, a, like, give us the one minute version of who is Christian Teeves? I am 62 and I spent half of my formative uh, years in Hollywood, California, half of my formative years in Munich, Germany. And uh, so I grew up like teenage years and so on, and college years in Germany. And as you might know, Luke, Germany is very much post-Christian. And so I attended a, a, a classical school, not at all Christian, but with, with Latin and Greek and all of those things, and then studied geology at the University of Munich. And then that, I got my bachelor's there and my master's at the University of Kiel. And... Um, as I guess in geology everywhere, uh, it is 100% based on, on naturalism and, and evolution. And uh, I was also, this is kind of important as a sideshow, I had never even heard of the concept of creation. I didn't even know uh. some things existed or didn't know anyone like that. And, and I was not a, a Christian. So um, that was you. You could have told me about uh, Martians with 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 ten heads. That would have been just as weird <laughs> to hear that stuff, people actually believe what Scripture says, uh, uh, let alone a six day creation. Hmm. So I I was a I was an evolutionist and and a, and a non Christian or an, an agnostic up until the age of my late thirties. Luke, I'd like to keep this conversation. Uh, 90%, I'd like to keep the faith part out of it and just talk about okay. the science. Um, sure. But the, I, and I wasn't taught anything else. There was no Christian yeah. influence. And everything I learned in school and in both of those universities 
was 100% uh, as I said naturalism and and uh, Darwinian evolution and I didn't even know there were there were any other options it, mm. it was it was like uh I don't know like just like gravity gravity works yeah and, and that's a it's a given and we see it happen all the time <laughs> and I was never taught anything else so I never had any reason to doubt it whatsoever I just thought that's, mm. that's the way it is just like uh, the sun comes out in the morning and 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 sets in the evening. It's just the normal. Why did you um, first question your views? When when did you first um, in- encounter other ideas? The first crack in evolution's armor in in my head was in the summer of 1993, and I had uh, I was actually engaged at that time to Lula, whom you know, Luke. Mm-hmm. And uh, the German girl, and never been to the states. And so, uh, one summer, we decided to, like many German tourists do, decided to go to Florida, which is I don't know if it's the best choice in July to go to Miami, but that's what we did. Mm-hmm. And it was it was <laughs> nine hundred degrees, and it was a thousand <laughs> thousand percent humidity. And so there we are, and Miami Beach, and all the rest of it, and beautiful. And uh, we're walking along the beach. And uh, kind of shuffling through the through the waves there, and I noticed something move there in the sand, and I looked at it, and I actually I backed off because I didn't know what it was. It turned out to be a horseshoe crab. Uh-huh. And uh, if you if you know what a or don't know what a horseshoe crab looks like, it looks maybe like a like a dinner plate with a with a long stinger at the back. Uh, with uh-huh. a, like a hard shell, but basically like an upside down dinner plate. And I <laughs> saw this and my first thought was, wow, that is a horseshoe crab. I didn't know they existed because, uh, yeah. yeah, as a, as a, uh, I had to take biology, of course, as a geologist. Yeah, yeah. I said, I'm, I'm, I always learned that they were fossils and they, they died out and it's, that's the end of it. Well, then <laughs> we keep on shuffling and uh, we see, another horseshoe crab and another one Mm -hmm. and another one. Mm -hmm. And it turns out that this was their mating season and Mm -hmm. they they mate there right there on the, on the beaches of uh, the Atlantic beaches in Southern Florida. And Mm -hmm. so I thought this is crazy because um, they, they date back 300 million years. That's what science teaches. And I, I had no, I had no, I said, that's weird that they, would still exist because I had always understood that they um, had become extinct. And so then when we got back to Germany, I, I did some uh, research and uh, I, I came up, and this was actually, now that I think of it, it was just before the internet. So doing research was more difficult back then. But I saw <laughs> you had to actually go to the yeah, library. This is, this, is an era, this is an era you don't even know, Luke, a pre-internet era. <laughs> So, and I said, you know, living fossils, wow. And it, and it turns out there are actually more living fossils. For example, like crocodiles are actually supposed mm-hmm. to have disappeared. And um, the Nautilus, the famous, that shell floating in the, in the deep ocean with a little, mm-hmm. little uh, tentacle sticking out of it. And velvet, uh, velvet worms dating back 500 million years and dragonflies dating back 230 million years. And then the very, very famous coelacanth. The coelacanth mm-hmm. was a, a famous um, fish that 
had been considered to be extinct, but lo and behold, in the late 1930s, um, they they were uh, fishermen were were dragging up nets and they they pulled up uh, uh, this living fossil called the coelacanth, even though it was believed that it had gone extinct 65 to 75 million years ago, and uh, that that was actually the, f- the really famous living fossil. In the meantime, since then they've they've uh, found several other living coelacanths. So this was a real crack in my armor that these animals. They're supposed to, that I always understood were had had gone extinct were actually alive and well and I even more than alive and well they were even mating those horseshoe crabs <laughs> and we were right there in the thick of it. Hard to be alive and well if you're not mating regularly. Yeah, I would think so. <laughs> so. That was the living fossils. I was already out of college at that point. I already had my master's degree and years ago, and then I, I started. Um, I discovered that there is such a thing as as uh, creationism and people who believe that the theory of evolution is um, is not true. And so I, I did more research. And uh, one very, very major event for me, Luke, was um, a couple of years after that, I guess, I called up one of my old, and actually, I think I emailed him. I emailed him one of my old professors in Germany saying that I'm I'm kind of getting doubts about the theory of evolution that uh it it might not be true and uh and I'm I'm kind of in my mind I'm kind of toying with this idea what what do you make of this and of course I I I imagine he would smack me down I mean what else should I have expected <laughs> the fascinating thing Luke is this guy was a Buddhist, and huh. he, had, he had no dog in the fight whatsoever with scripture. <laughs> and he said, "He said, uh, I have always thought that any age of the earth older than ten thousand years is bogus. Huh. But, but I am sixty-three years old. I'm two years away from my pension, and I'm not going to rock the boat <laughs> and, and jeopardize my pension." I thought, whoa, huh. there's a guy coming from a totally different angle, not a Christian, obviously. And here, here's a professional who has always um, harbored doubts, but he didn't, but to be honest, he didn't. He just didn't want to mess his career. And, and that's why he uh, went along with the charade. That, that is was wild. A biggie for me, a very big that deal. Is, huh. That's really interesting. I want to push it, push back on the living fossil thing a little bit before we move on, because um, I feel like, like I have very little science background, but I feel like I have a vague idea of what a, what an evolutionary biologist would say uh, if he or she was was sitting here. Um, and I want to poke at that a little bit. Mm-hmm. I, I think I, I hear that, and my my reaction is okay. So you were surprised to, to find out about living fossils, but your background is geology meaning true. true like nearly all of your work all the work you had done as an undergrad and uh, i guess later in grad school or whatever mm-hmm. would have been with fossils at least as far as your work yeah. with you know living sure. things goes um if you were a biologist if you had mm-hmm. studied biology you would have been very much aware that the horseshoe crab was still alive that the really can't that's was a that's a, good, that's a that's a that's a good argument and true biology was never my 
uh, major. And, and again, but this this term "living fossil" is floating around. But again, I'm, I'm not I'm not saying that 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 argument cannot be overturned. Uh, sure. What I'm saying is that was the first thing that prompted me to uh, look under the curtain of. Let me just call it uh, the Wizard of Oz. If you recall, Toto wasn't that true, Luke? That he he kind, yeah, of pulled, yeah. he kind of sniffed and then he pulled the curtain back and pay no attention to the man behind the curtain. Like, yeah, but pay no attention to that that little old man with the megaphone and and all of that. So um, it, it later turned out that that is that is um, there are there are at least a dozen or at least 10 arguments, um, scientific arguments, we might come to that in our conversation, um, that you could you could um, cite. And living fossil might, might not even be the best. Um, the, the, the much bigger one, though, and well, the, the next one, you talk about these ages. Um, so I, I did more research. And one of the things that I had always learned, but I had never kind of looked behind the, the curtain like like Toto was that the so-called aging of fossils is uh, as some people call a dating game in the sense mm -hmm. that there is absolute circular reasoning and mm -hmm. there uh, for example when you find um, index fossils a, a certain particular fossil um, indicating a, a layer in the earth a good example is the Grand Canyon um, sure. in, in geology and uh, paleontology, index fossils are used to determine the age of that particular layer. Fair mm -hmm. enough. But the layers are also used to determine the age of the fossil. Hmm. Uh, this, is, this is circular logic. And hmm. so I, I started digging deeper or pulling the curtain back more. And then I found out that this is something that they never told us um, at the at the university. So if say if if you're if you're um, at the Grand Canyon and you're you're digging and you do find a fossil, and you take it to be analyzed to um, to ascertain how old this thing is, the very first question they ask you is how old do you want this fossil to be? In other words, the answer is uh, comes before the, the, the question, and mm. and the, depending on you say, well, um, well, say sixty five million years and uh, old, and I found this this and this layer. Okay, well then then we'll narrow that down for you. So <laughs> this is this is this is bogus, and they 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 never told us that. It's it's a yeah. it's it's a it's a closed system. I like to I like to compare the um, theory of evolution and 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 even in its modern forms in the um, in the 21st century because it's it's not exactly the way um, uh, Darwin had had suggested it. By the way, today is his birthday, uh, which is an interesting day to to discuss this. Um, I like to compare this whole system to a say a victorian mansion with towers mm -hmm. and staircases and windows and wings and this and that and all kinds of you can go all over the place but this victorian mm -hmm. mansion is floating three feet above the ground 
In other words, there's, there's no foundation. But once you go yeah. into that mansion, you can go all over the place, and, the, and it works logically within the system. But if you step mm -hmm. outside of it, you will see that this has no basis in, in, in science and in fact. Let me, let me give you an example. The uh, one way to kind of really just see that this whole thing is floating in, in, in thin air is, is the Big Bang Theory. And scientists will, the, maybe the more honest ones, will tell you, we believe that there is a Big Bang Theory, and we believe that at a certain point in time, um, uh, matter blew apart, and uh, everything started moving forward from that point. Well, the, the question is, okay, fine, good theory, but where did the matter come from that supposedly flew apart? And mm -hmm. secondly, where does the energy come from that blew apart that matter? Now, again, the honest ones will say, we don't know. And I respect mm -hmm. that. And I'm, I can work mm -hmm. with that. What I mm -hmm. would I have a problem with, and this is relatively common, maybe even in, in high school and so on, where there are there are science teachers who say, no, this is absolutely laid down. We, we, this is a fact. We know this for mm -hmm. a fact. Well, that is, that is, that's incorrect. We don't know that. Mm -hmm. We yeah. don't know that. And, and, and I think, again, and, and I have, I have six, six kids, and they have all learned the theory of evolution, which I think is important because it is, if you will, it's a tool to understand how the world works. But I think mm -hmm. it is unfair to say it is absolutely proven and nailed down. Mm -hmm. And that's because uh, it's, that's, it's simply not the fact. And the, again, the honest right. scientists will admit that. Um, yeah. I want to I push back a little bit on, on, on some of this again. Um, mm -hmm. When you, we, talk, we talked about the fossil dating thing, mm -hmm. um, where you, um, you, know, you, you said you take your fossils to the lab and they ask mm -hmm. you how old you want them. Mm -hmm. um, I, I hear that and I say, well, that's, I mean, that's just kind of how science works. Like that's the scientific method. You start with a hypothesis and you test it. Right. Um, are you saying it's, I mean, I mean, I don't, I don't know how to do science without saying, let's start with a rough guess and let's perform tests to see if we can confirm this rough guess. I mean, are, are, are you saying dating, fossil dating works differently from that? How would you, how would you, uh, nuance that i agree of course you start with a hypothesis but it has mm -hmm. to be it has to be for one thing if you forgot the middle step in that the middle step is it has to be repeatable sure and this is obviously that that doesn't work and the the fun thing luke the fun thing is evolutionists and creationists whether they be old or young earth uh so if you will three different models all three mm -hmm. of these groups have a model because mm -hmm. no one can repeat it because obviously how, how can you re repeat how all of these things came to be? So sure. and it, it's a level playing field in, in theory. It, it should be a level playing field. But I, I say, let the best model win. Give, give me the facts mm -hmm. and, and prove your point. And you're mm -hmm. not proving your point if, if you have, um, if, if you play games like with this, this circular uh, dating that you use index 
fossils to determine the layer, and you use the layer to determine the age of the fossil. It's, it's just not. It's just not. Um, it's not scientific. It is. Let me, so let me put it this way: You're basing science on what is essentially a religion, because mm -hmm. you, you want this to be true, and you you fudge the facts in order to prove your theory. That's not science. It's a religion. I see what you're saying. I see what you're saying. Um, let me push back a little more because I I feel fundamentally every system of thought is a circular one. Like you have to start with certain assumptions to get anywhere at all. <laughs> um, I, I guess, I mean, I guess, I guess the question is like, what would a non-circular method of dating fossils or rocks look like? Okay. Okay. If it's okay. I'm going to, I'm going to, uh, let's, let's throw in a different, um, angle here. Okay, sure. Yeah, you, we can keep going. You, you have, you have your, your C14 dating method, right? Right. We, we, we know that this works, this works for for um biological material that decomposes and it works best for young probes right so okay. to determine mm -hmm. in 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 human history so is this mm -hmm. is this uh in in uh is this plate is this from the 1500s or not plate if if this skeleton is that from the 1500s or is it from the 1200s right sure yeah so fair enough that that is that is objective. And right, you can, we know the half-life of carbon-14. Yeah, exactly. I've heard exactly. it many times. Okay. Oh, yeah, but, you're but, going with that. Exactly. But um, you might be surprised to know that a, a chemist named Dr. J. Baumgartner, uh, about 10 or 15 years ago, he actually went to the trouble of testing for C14 in all fossils throughout the geologic record. Now, here's, here's mm -hmm. the point. So he, he went to the Grand Canyon, and he went to the very, very bottom, which by definition um, should be close to a billion years old. And obviously, there, is, there, should, there should be no carbon there because it would have deteriorated a long, long time ago. Right? Mm -hmm. And, and the, the, reason, the reason no one has tested for C14 in the oldest rocks is for one thing, it's expensive. And secondly, sure. um, why in the world would you want to test for something and go through all that trouble when obviously there can't be any, no, it's not there. Yeah. Okay. Fast forward. He determined that, um, he found C14 in every single layer in the geologic record. Hmm. In other words, this should not be, according to the yeah. theory of evolution. And mm -hmm. this is, uh, this, this was magazines like nature and science and so on. They completely ignore this because it blows apart their, their narrative. And this mm -hmm. man has a PhD He's a chemist again, Dr. J Baumgartner. He's with a, mm -hmm. a group called the rate group, R A T E. Mm -hmm. And this is, this is there. So there's your objective information that, Sure. Is not circular logic, and uh, blows the the whole circular dating game apart. But mm. wouldn't you be surprised that just like my my Buddhist um, professor, 
we don't want to talk about this because this kind of blows <laughs> apart our narrative. And uh, let's let's just ignore this, just like, yeah. just like the wizard. Uh, don't mind that little guy behind the curtain. That's really interesting. Um, do you know? Is Baumgart? I assume Baumgartner is not a particularly religious guy. Isn't pushing any uh, sort of agenda there. Um, to, to be fair, or I don't know his story. He is a Christian, okay. and he. Okay. he and he, and I mean, really, to be full disclosure, uh, he was he was looking for evidence to back up a young Earth theory, but okay. sure enough, sure enough, he found it, big time. Mm. But that is, you, you won't read that in National Geographic. Do you know if any studies have confirmed those findings, or are they just kind of floating out there unconfirmed? Um, I'd have to Google that. Sure, um, but sure. It, it is. It has. This is about twenty years old, and I uh-huh. do not know that it has been that it has been disproven. Interesting. It's, it's just not advertised because it is like the yeah. fine print. It's something you don't want to hear. Uh uh-huh. Sure. From an evolution sure. point of view. Hmm. All right. Well, why don't we come back for a second, since you brought up your Buddhist professor again? Um, yeah. Who says, um, you know, the he he doesn't think there's any way that um the universe could be more than 10,000 years old, um, right. which is, you know, basically the, the standard young, young earth creationist yeah. line. Exactly. Um, I know, <laughs> I know what the standard response to that is. Uh, you know, if you, if you talk to an astrophysicist, for instance, and tell them mm-hmm. the universe is 10,000 years old, they'll just, they'll just point at the stars, you know, they'll say, we right. can see stars 3.4 right. billion light years away. Right. And if if it's if light three point four billion light years away has had time to reach Earth, then we can know the universe has to be at least three point four billion years old. And beyond that, obviously, we see the the cosmic background radiation, which right. is the the uh, record of the the Big Bang. What would you right. say to say to that? Well, that's that's a classic argument, and I will toss back <laughs> the, the young Earth uh, rebuttal. Is that your assumption is that the speed of light is constant? But what if the speed of light is not constant? For example, Mm. uh, just like the Earth's magnetic field has jumped back and forth, or Mm -hmm. uh, or maybe even a very uh, a very no pun intended a very hot topic these days is global warming. Uh, When I was when I was studying geology in the in the late seventies and eighties, they told us to be prepared for the next. Ice age. Mm. In other words, the temperature of the Earth has always been going up and down. It's normal because mm. uh, the 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 sun um, the sun's power it kind of fluctuates. So, mm. the, according to that thinking, then if the speed of light um, also fluctuates, then the the uh, the age of the Earth, a very young age of the Earth or the universe, um, can be modeled. Hmm. Well, and is is there any evidence that the speed of light fluctuates? I believe there is. Okay. I believe there is. I'll have to, have to look into that. Yeah. Because um, that's interesting. Do you want to do you want to keep going on this stuff? I feel like I could just wind you up and let you go, and it's yeah, well, <laughs> it's definitely interesting well, to listen to. Here's a here's a, a another great one. Sure. Um, in in 2005, in Montana, they discovered uh-huh. uh, the bones. Or the skeleton, but they discovered a T Rex, right? A T T Rex mm-hmm. skeleton, and um, to everyone's amazement, they discovered soft tissue 
in the dinosaur's bones. This was hmm. discovered. Like actual, actual soft tissue? Yeah, not like yeah you could, it looks like it came from the butcher shop. Hmm. And uh, the, the uh, biologist who discovered this, or paleontologist, uh, a lady named Dr. Mary Schweitzer, and mm-hmm. you can actually look that up. It's uh, National Geographic News, uh, March 24th, 2005. And I think mm-hmm. shortly after that, there was a National Geographic issue. Um, exactly that. And you can see gorgeous color photographs of this, this soft tissue that really looks like out of the butcher shop. Mm-hmm. And so rather than saying, here's, here's where I'm coming back to my point, Luke. So rather than say, fair enough. Um, something could be wrong with our model and our age of the mm-hmm. earth. Let's discuss that. Uh, the reaction of of the evolutionists who were defending their their turf said, "Oh," and, and she says that in National Geographic. This is Dr. Schweitzer. She says, "Oh, apparently there's something that we just don't understand about fossilization." Mm-hmm. In other words, they change the goalposts. They don't say, man, maybe this whole age thing is totally wrong. They say, oh, it's a, it's a, a fossilization issue. Well, that's, mm-hmm. that's really looking the, the wrong way or sort mm-hmm. of like whistling in the dark. And, and the amazing thing is National Geographic did report on that. But they, of course, mm-hmm. they, did, they didn't go. They, they, they took the different tack. They said, well, fossilization. So that, that, is yeah. a, that was a huge one. The, the T-Rex in Montana. Yeah. I mean, I hear stuff like that and I say, okay, you know, that's great. Um, <laughs> if I, if I were an evolutionary scientist, which I'm not, um, but I, you know, I see specimens like that. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I say, well, we have all this other data mm-hmm. and this contradicts, this contradicts the data we have at least to an extent the most likely explanation there is not that our whole system is wrong, but that parts of it are wrong, right? Like if you, I mean, you can bring this evidence against uh-huh. the, um, the, uh-huh. the, the popular understanding of evolution, but it doesn't necessarily contradict the whole system. It just means that bits of it are, are not well understood. Uh, I mean, I know, I know with Darwin, his thing was like, thousands and thousands of gradual changes over time and now evolutionary scientists are more like well it's it's really it's it's really fast change punctuated by changes in the environment um so you know the theory has changed since darwin based on new data um but you know just like one specimen doesn't necessarily topple the whole system and and uh i mean certainly by itself doesn't prove like a ten thousand year old earth fair enough Fair enough, but you just actually you just brought up a really good point. Have you ever read uh, Darwin's theory of evolution? Uh, like Darwin's original, yeah, the original book, Origin of the Species. I have not. No, Origin of Species. Yes, um, it's 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 good reading, and sure. one of my favorite points is when he says, and he's and here's this is a good point. He is very fair about his his theory and he says mm-hmm. if if you can if you can prove me wrong on this and this point basically you 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 win i give up so it isn't defending <laughs> something even though there are so many smoking guns that are pointing in the opposite direction and here's here's one of his major points he said my theory 
presupposes that we will find billions and billions and billions of transitional fossils. Hmm. Because my theory says that this animal will slowly mutate or, or, or metamorph from one, one type of animal to another, right? So we, we should find, in other words, we should find the fossils of half of this animal and half of that animal, right? Mm. As it moves from, from one to the, to the next species. And he go, goes even further. He says, if these fossils cannot be found, then my theory needs to be, needs to be dropped. Because this is, I absolutely need this for my theory. Now, this mm -hmm. was in 1859. Mm -hmm. We have been looking for these fossils for uh, over 150 years. <laughs> there, we have found maybe a handful of some that are very, very debatable. And that's the kind of the poster child for the evolutionist. Well, this and that and, and apes and whatnot. But mm -hmm. um, the, you should find them all over the planet. But none are to be found. None. Mm -hmm. And this yeah. is a huge, huge weakness. And, and Darwin even, again, he says, if, if we can't find these in the future, then my, we need to drop my theory. Because it doesn't work without the transitional fossils. That is a huge mm -hmm. one. And that, that too, is uh, conveniently ignored by the, by the um, scientific community. Hmm. I mean, I, I know what the standard evolutionary response to that is, <laughs> which is that, um, you know, every time you fill in a gap between two species, all you've really done is created two new gaps. <laughs> um, and so the, the gaps are always kind of going to be there no matter how many transitional fossils are found. Um, but again, where's the beef? Well, where, yeah. where are the transitional fossils? Show, yeah. show, show me one fossil where a, an animal is transitioning from one species to another. Yeah. You can't well, find And because yeah, I mean, I, I, it didn't happen. That's, that's my main point in case that wasn't. Yeah. You can't find them because it didn't happen. Yeah. And I, I think that is why, why uh, evolutionary theory has kind of moved away from the gradual change towards yeah. the punctuated equilibrium yeah. model. Well, that, that's, um, that's, that is the term they use. Yeah. But it still yeah. doesn't. Explain away the fact that there are no transitional fossils. Now, here's a let, let me let me change the direction a little bit. Here's actually mm -hmm. a good point. Where as an as a as a geologist, I'm actually on on firmer ground as a creationist um, than if I were a biologist. And here's why. Obviously, from a from a biological point of view, we're talking about a totally different model than what scripture says, right? We're having evolution mm. from, from one, one animal to another, etc. Whereas according mm. to scripture, every species is made instantly. Okay. So, mm. so it's a completely different paradigm. However, as a, as a geologist, the discrepancy is not that great at all. The mm. only, the only difference, the only variable you would have as whether you are a naturalist geologist or a creation, even a young earth believing creation geologist, the only variable you have is time or the, the mm -hmm. length of time. Sure. Because for a geologist, it's the young earth geology does not clash with the evolutionary 
or the naturalist model, the only difference you have is, did it happen in under 10,000 years or over billions of years? But the mm -hmm. model is the same. And so geologists have a, a luxury of actually kind of being able to straddle the, the, the naturalist view and the, the creation view, uh, mm -hmm. being able to straddle it more or less, whereas the, the biologist has to make up his mind. Am I in the naturalist camp or am I in the scripture camp? Because the two don't don't gel. Right? Mm -hmm. And the, the classic the classic example, and um, I, I'm sure you know this, is is the Grand Canyon, because sure. according to the the scientific theory or the the scientific model, it the Colorado River carving out the Grand Canyon. This the the naturalist model is. And you've probably heard this phrase before. Uh, a little bit of water. And a long and a long period of time. Sure. And that that was the model until 1980, when I was still in college. I remember that was a really big deal when it happened. You know where I'm going with this? Mount St. Helens. Mm -hmm. Mount St. Helens had a lake um, just below it called Spirit Lake, and after the eruption, the Spirit Lake was was contained by a natural dam. And then at a certain point, the walls of the dam gave way and all this water from Spirit Lake came cascading down and carved, I think, like 100 or 120 feet deep into rock. And that happened mm -hmm. within days. Mm -hmm. And this was a, a beautiful the gift. Some people say Mount St. Helens is, the, is God's gift to creationists because <laughs> it provided a a real world example as to no, it may be a lot of water and a little bit of time. I'm sorry. It may be a little bit of water and a lot of time, or it could be a lot of water and a little bit of time. <laughs> but the, yeah. the basic theory is the same. The only difference mm -hmm. is again, the, the, the speed with which has happened. So mm -hmm. um, in other words, I'm I'm glad I left the the naturalist worldview, but the the jump was easier for me than um, as a geologist than if I had been a biologist. That's really interesting. Yeah, um, I feel like most people I know <laughs> of who are younger creationists kind of found their way to Christianity and then found their way to younger creationism. The way you've been telling the story, it really sounds to me like you became convinced of a young earth um, before you found your way to Christianity. Is that accurate? Uh, actually not. It, 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 okay. It's sort of like if you can imagine two parallel train tracks and one train oh. is ahead and then slows down and the other one takes over and they go back and forth and back and forth. The creation train started first and mm -hmm. then, let me see, about 1997, that is where I heard the gospel for the first time, and uh, I understood that I'm a sinner. I understood that Jesus paid the price uh, for my sins and for the sins of the world on the cross. And mm -hmm. so I really, this is it's a it's a fun question, Luke. So I <laughs> I I I believed that, and I was grateful for it, and and I became a Christian. But I still hung on to my evolution stuff. 
And so <laughs> you, you, we started out. Our, you, our, even though you had already been, even though you had already been questioning it, you still wanted to hold on to interesting. Out of arrogance and mm-hmm. ignorance, arrogance mm-hmm. and ignorance. And my thinking was, right, it's embarrassing <laughs> to talk about this, uh, Luke. Sure. In retrospect, so I'm already a, a Christian, but I'm mm-hmm. still hanging on to the evolution thing. And can you believe that I actually thought this, Luke? I said to myself, excuse me, God, who went to college? Who has the master's <laughs> degree? Do you have the master's degree in geology or do I? So mm. obviously... Obviously, uh, something's wrong with this creation business, right? Mm -hmm. It it kind of went back and forth and back and forth. So I still had the horseshoe crab. That was a few years back. But then um, I I think actually after that, I think that's when I called my my Buddhist uh, professor. And then I, I read more on it and so on. And again, this is kind of in sync with the, the coming on of the internet. So it was much easier to access information than uh, than going to a library. And I guarantee you, if you had gone to my old university libraries in Germany, I guarantee you, you wouldn't have found anything. Well, I take that back. I doubt you would find Dr. J. Baumgartner or any of that stuff. I mean, maybe in the, in the crazy department in the basement. Um, <laughs> but I'd... I'd I, It'd be curious, actually, to check that out. But at any rate, and the internet made it so easy to access information, which I mm-hmm. had, you know, in the nineteen early nineties, mm-hmm. late eighties. Sure. How did it feel to question your original belief? In other words, am I comfortable with my change? Yeah. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Because um, it, it it ties in it ties in with with uh, with scripture, and uh, I submit to the authority of scripture. And even though there are discrepancies uh, with with what the world says on uh, creation, um, I don't care. I, sure. I submit to scripture. But you could apply that same thinking to to so many things. You, you know that I'm a, I'm a Lutheran pastor, um, Luke, and I, I said I would keep the, the Christian thing under 10%. So let me just offer one thought. <laughs> So uh, it's, it's, it's the same thing with um, how do you understand uh, the true body and blood of, of Christ in the sacrament? And how, how do you understand the virgin birth? How do you understand that just the words of Christ um, forgive you? Most, most importantly, of course, how do you understand the resurrection? Uh, the mm-hmm. resurrection really happened. And we actually have it's another, another conversation. We have outside sources to confirm that. Um, but so the bottom line is, do I submit to what scripture says? Yes. Um, as a pastor, uh, even more so. And so I'm very happy with that change that I made. And, um, it's, it, it's just, it's, it's one whole package. Let me ask, let me ask you this. Um, this is probably the least interesting part of it to me, but I feel like a lot of people are <laughs> going to want me to at least ask, mm-hmm. ask you about it. Um, yeah. I feel like, unfortunately, like so many other things in these dire political times, the evolution creation thing is very heavily politicized. Um, And I, you know, I, I I feel like, you know, there, there are a lot of um, good philosophers doing work on the intelligent design end of things. And there are certainly um, good, good um, creationist scientists who are doing interesting work as well. But um, 
certainly the the stampede to um, put it in, you know, <laughs> elementary school science textbooks uh, mm-hmm. at the, the government level is, mm-hmm. um, you know, controversializing everything. Yeah. I, I don't know how to say yeah. that. But um, anyway, you know, I, if I were a very secular listener listening to this or whatever, mm-hmm. you know, I, I would be like, well, this this guy's just a, a science denier. He's in the same category as like the the vaccine deniers who are going to kill all, all of us with measles. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, what, what would you say to someone like that? I'm not a science denier. I am for faithful science. So go go where the go where the facts lead you. And I, I just listed five or six um, uh, scientific facts. Go with them, and again, and, and hang on to your hang on to your theory. I have no problem with that, but just be fair and say uh, there are a lot of things we we don't understand, and and these are question marks. We'll we'll keep on looking. I have no problem with that, but don't don't sell it as something as a done deal, and mm-hmm. sell big question marks as as uh, as hard facts because it's. That that's not scientific. It's yeah. basically pushing a, a, a religion, whether you realize it or not. I'm, I'm, I remember a, a conversation I once had um, with a young a young um, graduate student working on her PhD, um, a self uh, professing atheist, mm-hmm. and uh, I, I actually brought up the the discussion with with uh, where does the energy come from and where did the matter come from from the from the big bang and she was she was honest and I, I i can deal with that she said you're absolutely right we don't know this we don't know this but i have faith that science will find the answer uh-huh. I, said, I said stop you just said <laughs> you just said the f word i did not I said, yes you did you said faith you, as a you can't do that so mm. in other words this is this is whether you realize it or not, if you have faith in something, it's a religion. Stick with sure. the facts. Stick with mm. the facts. And so there, there is a, a blurring. There is a blurring. And besides, um, let me push. Let me let me push back a little bit. Um, sure. I think there are. Um, I think the 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 cracks in the armor of of evolution are growing. And I think there are a lot of scientists who who have major doubts and reservations, but they are just hanging on uh, to it because, um, just like my, my Buddhist friend, because they want to protect their their uh, career and their pension and all the rest of it. So mm-hmm. uh, it, I, I think I think sooner or later, it's it's a brand new theory is going to come up and the theory of evolution will be debunked. Um, I want to go back to something you said a little while ago. Um, I, I, you said you're you're fine with um, your kids being taught evolution because mm-hmm. it's a uh, force at work in the world or something like that. Um, um, do you want to talk a little bit more about that? Sure, sure. Yeah, no. In fact, I I they need to learn it. If if someone else didn't teach them, I would teach them the theory sure. of evolution because it's it's like it's like uh, currency. You open your wallet. They've got you've got dollars in it or euros or whatever you have, but you need to. You need to you need this currency to operate in the world. My big point is don't let it impact or destroy your faith. So sure. in other words, if I'm okay with someone like my Buddhist friend 
um, I'm okay with someone operating inside that Victorian mansion because that's just the way my profession works. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. don't let that, in other words, keep it in your head, but don't let it trickle down into your heart. Because <laughs> the, the problem being, of course, if you doubt the first chapter of Genesis, then the next question is, at what point does God stop lying? <laughs> and he was lying to me in Genesis 1. So how do I know? Maybe he's lying throughout the whole book, all the yeah. way to Revelation. So if, if, you can, if you can separate the two, I think that is valid. Mm-hmm. Um, just don't, don't let it destroy your faith. There are a lot of people for whom this whole issue, God bless your, your listeners, uh, Luke, they couldn't, they couldn't care less. Mm-hmm. A lot of people just are not interested in this topic. And um, I respect that. They say, yeah. I, I, don't, I don't care about evolution. I don't care about transitional fossils and all. They say, whatever, that's fine. So, mm-hmm. so to say it another way, of course you can be an evolutionist who believes in the whole program, the whole Victorian mansion, and still be a Christian. Of course you can. Mm-hmm. Because faith comes from believing in, in Jesus Christ. Right. So right. this whole thing, yeah. in a way, it's a it's a sideshow uh, for some people. It's it's more upfront than for others. Um, the danger, however, is. And so even if if you were a if you were an an evolutionist and a Christian side by side. And again, that's possible. The danger is, though, that it might cause you, like I just said, to doubt Genesis one. Actually, you'd have to doubt it. And so then you think, well, when does God stop lying? So that, that's, the, that's the risk. But it yeah. is possible to have both side by side. All right. Well, how has your, um, how has your life changed since your beliefs changed? Well, the, the life changer was, of course, when I became a Christian. The, sure. the, the evolution thing and the creation thing, it, it is a sideshow. And I don't, I don't use it that often. Um, I, mm-hmm. often I obviously use it in, sometimes in confirmation class. But mm-hmm. it is it is not the main thing, and to be fair, I also have a problem with with Christians who hammer this topic um, all the time to the exclusion of Jesus, right? Because yeah. there are Christians who do that. It, it's a sideshow. Mm-hmm. Um, so the the big life changer, and that that might even be a different episode. Uh, although <laughs> I don't know if it would interest your hearers. The, the big change came, of course, when I became a Christian. Sure. Um, uh, so the, the cre- creation evolution thing was a maybe an on-ramp or so. And again, it, it, fits, it fits in with the whole uh, narrative of Scripture. But mm-hmm. changing from an evolutionist to, um, to a creationist, uh, that, that, that led me towards Christianity, but in itself, it really wasn't a life changer. All right. Well, aside from your new beliefs themselves, what would you say you learned from the experience of changing your mind? I would say I learned that science changes. Science, mm-hmm. not static. Uh, just, right. look at the, just look at the fate of uh, dear old Pluto, who was bumped, <laughs> right? Used mm-hmm. to be a planet. Uh, now he's no longer a planet. Um, look at what science used to teach 
in the 1950s about breast milk, saying mm-hmm. that uh, formula is superior. Well, no, they don't yeah. say that anymore. They now say that yeah. breast milk is superior. Or um, you're, you're maybe too young to remember him, but there was a guy called Popeye who uh, used to eat spinach, which made him super <laughs> strong. And I guess the spinach industry supported that cartoon in the 50s and 60s. In the meantime, in the meantime they say spinach isn't really that, that fantastic after all. Mm-hmm. So science yeah. changes. And this, this, is why, this is why I do uh, posit that one of these days, evolution is, is going to fall by the wayside and then something else will come up. It yeah. also shows me, though, that the world is always changing. And uh, you can see this in politics. You can see with the, the, the maybe the breakup of the European Union. You can mm-hmm. see with uh, totally different forces at play in our land uh, in the last few years. And so the world is always moving and changing. And um, But science changes and the world changes, but scripture does not change. God mm-hmm. does not change. The triune God does not change. Uh, in Hebrews 13, we read, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And Malachi 3.6 says, For I, the Lord, do not change. So that is, that is something that I took away. That is something I can, I can hold on to because everything around me is just swirling and twirling. And, and uh, there's, there's, nothing, there's nothing static. But uh, faith in, in Christ as revealed in Scripture that that is something that I can hang on to, and uh, not to mention it's an eternal thing, because all of these other political discussions and whatever they will come and go, but um, mm-hmm. but Christ is is permanent, and um, all those who believe in Him they will have eternal life. So that's that's my main takeaway from that. Um, sounds like a good place to end things. I have three final questions um, that I try to ask all my guests to try to just poke at these questions of epistemology, ontology, how do we know truth? How do we know mm-hmm. ourselves? Mm-hmm. Um, first of all, what do you, what, what is identity? Does everybody have an identity? How do you know your identity? What do you think? Yeah. Well, identity is that we were all created by God. And from scripture, I know my identity is one of a, uh, a sinful person in whom there is nothing good. That is how I was conceived. In the Psalms, we read, uh, in sin, my mother conceived me. Uh, however, when I was baptized, um, that original sin, as we call it, was uh, covered over by the righteousness of Christ. And so my identity is, uh, to use a, a classic um, Reformation um, phrase, I am a sinner and a saint. I am both things at the same time. But uh, thanks to the work of Jesus on the cross, I I am a redeemed sinner. And my identity because of that is, uh, even though conceived a sinner, born a sinner, I am a redeemed child of God. That is my identity. What is human nature? Are we all the same deep down? Are we all different deep down? Are we all blank slates? What do you think? Well, it kind of piggybacks on the first question. Sure. What is human nature? We are all conceived and born sinful. However, um, we were created in the image of God. 
but that image was uh, severely distorted and and broken in in the fall from grace in in uh, Genesis three, and so human nature is that we are creatures of God. We are not. Um, we have not evolved from from mud puppies. However, John three sixteen, God loved the world so much that He gave Jesus to die on the cross for all of us, and so that sinful, broken human nature is made right uh, with the Father thanks to uh, the work of Jesus on the cross. And God wants everyone um, on the planet to have this gift. Unfortunately, some people do not want it, but Jesus died for the entire world, and uh, God wants um, the whole world to be saved, and um, all all humans um, who are his creation. And finally, what is truth? How do you know truth? How do you know when you found truth? Is there well, truth? What do you, you think? Sure, there's truth. John fourteen six. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you saw that coming. Yeah, yeah, Jesus, yeah. Jesus I mean, I'm, said, I'm talking I'm, talking to a Lutheran pastor. I know what the truth is. What you'll get from a Lutheran pastor. <laughs> Jesus says, he says, I, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So Jesus is truth. And uh, there are many things that, that claim to be tr- truth out there, um, but they will all fall into and, and dissolve into dust. Uh, Jesus is the only truth there is. And um, if, if you're connected to, to, to him, um, I would say there there are many truths that 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 fall follow from that. Um, but uh, if you want to find the source of truth, you will have to to start with Jesus. And uh, just like um, the beams of sunlight radiating from the sun, um, you will find other things, truthful things. But however, they all must have their source in Jesus. If you don't start with Jesus, then even things that that seem to be truthful, that seem to be light, are not light. Uh, just like L- Lucifer, <laughs> Lucifer means the light bringer. Um, however, we know that he is the exact opposite of of the light, and uh, so we we want to we want to to cling to the the true truth with a capital T, and his name is Jesus Christ. Um, before we go, you got. do you have anything to plug? I don't know if you have a Twitter or a website you want to put out there. Well, you can, uh, our, our listeners, your listeners, are, uh, are welcome to, to go to our church website, trinityokmulgee.org. Okmulgee, nice Indian name, O-K-M-U-L-G-E-E, trinityokmulgee.org. And uh, uh, if anyone wants to, they can listen to my Sunday sermons there. And um, uh, that's that's all I want to say. Um, I, I, right. I pray that your your listeners would um, would be led to Christ if they are not already Christians, and uh, uh, keep up the great work. Well, thank you. All right, this has been changed my mind with Luke T. Harrington. I'm Luke T. Harrington. You can find me on Twitter at Luke T. Harrington, or just go to my website, LukeTHarrington.com. I'll see you next time.
I met Chris, it was interesting to me because in some ways he has kind of a similar background to my father, um, who has a master's in geology like he does, um, works in Christian ministry like he does. Um, but in some ways, my father's a very different man um, because his original uh, undergraduate degree in geology, he got at Wheaton College in Illinois. Now, Wheaton is a theologically conservative evangelical college. Um, their alumni include Billy Graham and also Wes Craven, interestingly, but uh, um, you can insert your own joke there. Um, <laughs> but um, Wheaton, for all its uh, theological conservatism, does not, as far as I know, have a problem with ideas like evolution. Um, most of the faculty there, I believe, is kind of happy to kind of hold current science and traditional theology in two hands and kind of saying, okay, we don't know exactly how it fits together and we're fine with that. Um, I'm sure some Wheaton alum is going to write me now and say I have that totally wrong. Um, but that's my general impression. Anyway, um, growing up, I was very familiar uh, with young earth creationist thought. Uh, my parents sent me to a school in the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod, um, which is the same synod uh, Dr. Teves pastors in, and they are very, um, very young earth synod. So, you know, I was, I was hearing the, this stuff a lot. Um, but my parents didn't try to shelter me from evolutionary thought either. Um, and I just remember one of the books on dinosaurs they gave me, you know, I, um, I was reading, you know, just kind of this really stripped down, simplified summary of evolution in the geological and biological sense for kids that started off the book. And it was just like, in the beginning, there was a massive dust swirling around the sun and it eventually coalesced into planets, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and anyway, I, um, took that to my dad and I said, you know, dad, this is really stupid. They didn't even bother to ask themselves, where did the dust come from in the first place? You know, and I don't know, I guess I was kind of just expecting a high five and a pat on the head and a, you know, a way to go for seeing the huge gap in that thinking kid. Um, but that is not <laughs> what I got from my dad. Um, he, kind of shrugged his shoulders at me and he said, you know, Luke, you have to understand that this is a scientific theory that is always being worked on. And the fact that it can't answer a single question doesn't mean that the rest of it falls apart. Um, you know, that's not how science works and that's not how serious scientists pretend that it works. Um, science is just a mass of knowledge built up over time, often apparently self-contradictory and often revised heavily by new experiments. That's just what science is. 
a scientific theory is ultimately just a model. It's a means of giving a rough explanation for observed phenomena and a way of hopefully predicting future phenomena. And that's how we move from models like the geocentric model of the solar system that says Earth is at the center to the heliocentric model of the solar system that says the sun is at the center. And then the current model, which says neither one is at the center and there really isn't even a center because it's constantly the solar system itself is constantly hurtling through space. Um, but again, each of those models is just a model. The geocentric model was the dominant model for a long time because it successfully predicted all observable phenomena. We only went to the heliocentric model when new phenomena were observed. For instance, the stellar parallax. If you don't know what that is, look it up. Um, now, I don't have much of a head for science. It was always my worst subject in school. Um, but growing up with my dad was really helpful to me to give me a helpful appreciation of science without in teaching me the dogma of scientism, um, the idea that science can and will explain everything. And I'm grateful to my parents for uh, giving me that understanding of, uh, you know, science as a tool, not as a dogma. Um, as Dr. Teves said that, you know, science is constantly changing. Um, I understand why <laughs> certain people have said global warming is settled science. Like I get it. It's an emergency. They, we need to do something about it. Um, but at the same time, by definition, there is no such thing as settled science. Um, everything is up for being disproved, which I dig. Anyway, that's it for this week. I hope you enjoyed the show. If you want to help me out, there are a few things you can do. You can't buy my novel anymore. Uh, it is out of print. I hear you can buy a brand new, un never been opened copy on Amazon for $850, which makes me feel really special. Um, but yeah, you can't buy my novel. You can if you want. Go to kofi.com, that's ko-fi.com slash changed my mind and buy me a cup of coffee. Um, or you can go pre-order my upcoming nonfiction debut, which is called Murder Bears, Moonshine and Mayhem, Strange Stories from the Bible to Leave You Amused, Bemused and Hopefully Informed. That's on Amazon right now for pre-order. It's going to be great. You should do it. Um, you can go to projectconarrative.com where I'm writing a novel live on the internet with my good friend KB Hoyle. It's been a lot of fun. There's a Patreon to support that. Um, if you don't want to do any of that stuff, um, just go on iTunes and rate and review the podcast because that's, that's what helps. Um, I've got five ratings, three reviews, not a lot so far, but it makes me feel special because all of them are five stars. Everyone give me five stars. You're cool. If you only think I'm worth four stars, that's fine. Go on iTunes and give me four stars. If you only think I'm worth one star, you know what? You do you. I believe in freedom of star giving or whatever. 
Um, I want to thank Dr. Christian Teves for being on the show. He is a cool guy. I was glad to have him on. I want to thank Raven Creek Social Club for hosting the podcast. Do check out their other podcasts, Faith and Other Oddities and The Commentarians. I'm Luke T. Harrington. Thank you for listening to Changed My Mind. And don't be afraid to change your mind. Mm-hmm.